This podcast is intended for adult audiences. Over the age of 18, it contains adult language and situations. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to us, and not of any employer, organization, committee, or other group or individuals. This podcast is not intended to be taken as professional advice. Welcome to the Swing Nation Podcast, a podcast by swingers for swingers, where we look to educate others and push back on the negative stigmas and misconceptions associated with our lifestyle. Come with us and share our pineapple journey as we travel the globe. Interview the experts, learn and grow together. Join the nation. Hey there, pineapple people, and welcome to the Swing Nation podcast. We are your hosts, Northern Guy and Southern Girl. In uh, today's episode, we have a, a very special guest that um, is sitting down with us, um, Jeff Abraham, who is CEO of Absorption Pharmaceuticals, and here's he's here to tell us about uh, Promescent, which is kind of a, an exciting new um, thing coming onto the market. I guess it's been on the, for the market for a while. But uh, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you came um, to be part of all of this? I'm a 64-year-old male, about to turn 65 on May 31st, and I live in Summerlin, Nevada. I spent the prior 30 years doing this from age 24 to age uh, 53, owning and running a semiconductor engineering business, which I had a great deal of success with. It allowed me to retire early, which was a big plus for me. You know, I wanted to retire and spend the rest of my life enjoying myself. And my next door neighbor happened to be a urologist. So he was my neighbor, my friend, you know, my doctor. And uh, I went to see him in uh, November of 2009 or December of 2009. And he told me, hey, I developed this new product and I don't think it's getting the traction that it really needs. Would you be willing to take a look at it and help me out? Because I really know you're a great businessman, blah, blah, blah. I said, sure. Turned out it was promescent. And uh, I asked him for a sample. I wanted to do a little trial on my own to see if it really worked. Because when I asked him, I said, how big is this market? And I knew what the P- or ED market was because I saw a special on 60 Minutes. And it was $5 billion in legitimate tablets at that point. And there was 1.2 knockoff fraudulent tablets from a legitimate one. I'm like, that's like a $10 billion market. I was expecting him to say it's about 10% or 15% the size of, you know, that market. And he goes, it's larger than EP. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, as a matter of fact, he goes 15, 20% the VD is misdiagnosed PE, meaning that if a man has chronic premature rapid ejaculation, he will eventually not be able to get an erection because his body's telling his mind every time this happens, it leads to an unsatisfactory conclusion. I can't satisfy my partner. So I tried it and I was like, oh my God, this stuff really does work. It's legit. And I invested in the company and I was really bored because I had just retired and uh, I was 53 and I raised my son as a single father and he had just left and gone to college shortly before that. And then I retired. So I was busy 24 seven for 30 years and all of a sudden I had nothing to do. So I wrote him a business plan. It really worked and helped out. They asked me to write a second phase business plan. I did. And they were all oh, this is great, but it's gonna require like another four hundred K. We don't have that kind of money. I said, Well, I'll invest another four hundred K, but you have to do exactly what I'm telling you to do. And they did. And the company really took off. And then in June of two thousand eleven they asked me to take over. Yeah, so I I just want to touch on a few things there and kind of break it down a little bit for our audience. So, so when you say premature ejaculation, that's that's males that are ejaculating quickly or too quickly, or what? Like, what is that? You There's mean two exactly? definitions, and I'll tell you both. There's the medical definition, which is sponsored by the International Society of Sexual Medicine or the American Neurological Association, and PE is defined medically as when a man can never, under any circumstances, last more than 60 seconds, 60 seconds, whether it's you know, uh, intercourse, oral sex, masturbation, never last more than 60 seconds. Most men will tell you if they last 70 seconds, 
they still want something to help them last a little bit longer because most women take a lot longer than 70 seconds. So you have the medical definition that you qualify as medically, you know, a PE sufferer if you're less than 60 seconds. But in reality, it should say if your relationship would improve by being able to last longer, then you should be willing to seek some kind of help. Everyone knows that female, you know, orgasm times can vary by woman. Some women literally can, you know, orgasm within two minutes of intercourse, three minutes. Some women take a lot longer. There can be a hooded clitoris or, you know, lack of sensitivity can take a lot longer. So the actual definition should be if your relationship, if your sexual relationship could benefit by an extended amount of time during you know, intercourse, then you can seek some kind of therapy. So there's the medical definition, then there's the recreational or better sex definition of people who just want to have better intimacy. We happen to be very comfortable serving both of those because the uh, we're very strong in the medical community, but the total available market is even much greater when you consider the recreational aspect. Yeah, yeah 60 it, seconds is not enough time <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I need like five, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Most people wouldn't be in a relationship very long if they never lasted more than 60 seconds during interview. Okay. Well, it, it's interesting you, you bring that up because I don't think, you know, it, I, you know, we've had people reach out to us and, and w- with that kind of fear for, for swinging saying like, well, I've never had sex with anybody but my wife for the last 20 years. Like I'm worried if I engage, um, you know, with a new person, um, that, that, you know, it's going to be hard for me to not, you know, have an orgasm, uh, quickly. And so they, yeah. I, we've had people reach out to us and ask questions like that. Like, well, what do you do if you come too fast? Like, what do you just sit there and watch? Like, how do you handle all that? Um, so, you know, I don't know how many, you know, Viagra is huge. Everybody in the swinging lifestyle knows about Viagra. Um, I don't think there's too many people that, that know about, you know, the reverse, um, the premature ejaculation and that there's, there's products we're out there for that starting to really make inroads into the swingers market and we're finding rapid uh, adapt adoption i mean people are like oh my god because i will tell you this that there are some people that use our product that literally tell us normally i don't need it but if i'm with a new partner i need it anytime something is routine anytime something is done over and over again it loses a little bit of the anxiety because there's mm-hmm. the familiarity familiarity to it, which is why a lot of people resort to swinging. They want a little more excitement. They want a little more variety on the menu. So that tends to lead to a more rapid ejaculation because of the heightened sensitivity of a new partner. Also, if someone hasn't had a release, hasn't had the sexual experience for whether it be a month or six weeks or whatever, there tends to be a little bit more of a rapid or premature ejaculation because of the buildup and there hasn't been a release in a period of time. So there are people who really don't have an issue with rapid or premature ejaculation that always want something because in certain circumstances, the two most obvious ones being with an unfamiliar partner or not having had sex in a while, you might tend to ejaculate a little more rapidly. Yeah, it's definitely, I I know it's a concern people have brought to us, you know, who are thinking about or considering entering the lifestyle um, and it, it makes complete, um, you know, sense, sense to me. Yeah. Uh, so I think it is interesting that there's a product like that out there. Um, yeah. I, and I do know, you know, what, so what's the different, are you guys the only product out there? Uh, what's different about your product than, than maybe some of the other products that are out there? That's an excellent question. There's actually quite a few products. Some of them are just out and out fraudulent. I wish I was joking, but this is serious. They sell bull extract derivative deer antler extract, shark fin, all these things topped as premature. I go, how bad does this problem have to be where someone would resort to go, give me some bull extract, you know? <laughs> like, Jesus, for God's sakes. There's a whole family of products. One of them predated us by 30 years. They're called Stud 100. And Dynamo Delay and Duration by KY. They're all, I call them the cane family of products, lidocaine, benzocaine products. And what they do is they numb you. They just sit on the surface and they numb you and they numb your partner. So it solves one problem and creates another. Okay. So yeah, I was about to say that cannot be fun. Like to be numb down there. Yeah. At all. (laughs) So when I 
first invested in the company and I was getting ready to invest more and take over the company, I said, I got to try everything that's out there, you know? And so I bought some stud 100 and I tried it. And Ron Gilbert, who was the founder of our company says, what do you think of the product? I go, someone could have dropped a cinder block on my penis. I wouldn't have felt it. Okay. <laughs> I was, so dumb. I was having sex with my partner and I felt like I was watching a porno. You know what I mean? That it was like I was watching sex, but I felt so disassociated. I was completely numb. I couldn't feel anything. And, <clears throat> numb my partner and I'm like what is the purpose we might as well go take a spin class or do hot yoga with wedding but no one's enjoying themselves <laughs> the brilliance of Ron what he did was he developed a eutectic formula it changes the melting point of lidocaine lidocaine in its pure form is a crystal or a solid so it just sits on the surface of your skin they change it to an oil aqueous or liquid form when they do that it penetrates the dermis or stratum corneum so you wait five to seven minutes after application, the man has a much higher degree of surface sensitivity and it doesn't transfer to the partner. So in a nutshell, that is the differentiator and it's huge. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I because I've researched your, your company and stuff, you guys offer a lot more than just the delay spray. There's several, several other um, products you have out there. You want to go through some of those? Yeah, it's kind of funny because up until three years ago, all we had was the delay spray. And people go, oh, my God, you're a genius all these products. I go, I'm not really a genius. I just listen to my customers. So a great deal of our customers early on, they were like, you know, I didn't need lube when I was lasting 30 seconds. Now I'm lasting 12 minutes. I need lube. You know, okay, great. Can you guys make a lube? So we set about it. And initially, I, the first lube we came up with was a water-based lube. And it was really good. And it gained a pretty significant adoption rate really quickly and then in in our process of, of finalizing a lube and seeing what we were going to do we'd also toyed with an organic aloe vera lube and we had sent it out to some of our customers to try because we have a core group of customers been with us long term whenever we expand we send them products to try and it was amazing how many people went hey i really like that organic aloe vera as well so we included that I'm not a big fan of silicone lubes, only because after using a silicone lube, it takes freaking a week to wash that shit off of your skin. I swear to God. Hey, I feel man. like starting with a pillow pad. You know, if it's on my chest, the shirt I was wearing is sticking to me. You know, I'm like, I'm not a big silicone guy. But there were certain people, especially with toys and stuff, that wanted silicone lubes. So we included those. And it was amazing because those immediately took off. And they were great add-ons, you know. And then it was just logical to go into condoms once we had to delay spray and lube. So we did that and that worked out really well for us. Uh, I, I think we actually used um, some of your, your massage oil in, uh, in Atlanta over the weekend. Which flavor? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. It was uh, we quickly grabbed it out of a bag and, and, and used it. I don't think I, I read the, the label, but it definitely yeah, worked. There's like four different shades or four different <laughs> scents, so to speak. So we went into that area. And uh, then this was, again, I wish I could say I developed this. We had a lot of people saying, you know what would really like? And I go, what? They go, some kind of a little aloe vera moisture pad. You know what I mean? And they go, because, you know, I go to clubs, I go hang out. My girlfriend, I go, you know, away for the weekend and we go out dancing, we come home. And if we don't take a shower, I'd just like to freshen up a bit. And they go, not only that, the same thing you could be used for to clean up afterwards. So, you know, if you go out to a club and you're hanging out and you're dancing and you go home with someone, you're about to go up, you go, I would like to freshen up just a hair. You know what I mean? Yeah, so there's absolutely. Little aloe vera <laughs> we know all about before. that. Exactly. They're called before and after wipes. And people use them both pre-sexual activity to give them a more fresh feel. And afterwards, is kind of a cleanup. And those were an immediate hit. And... And again, I just listened to my customers. They asked me for it and I delivered and they, they became very popular. And we recently uh, introduced a delay wipe. So instead of the bottle, it's a wipe. It's okay. not quite as effective as the wipe or as, as the spray, excuse me, but it's really convenient. It's just a little foil packet that fits anywhere. You know, it's very unobtrusive. But it's the same thing. If someone's going to a club one evening or someone goes, oh, we're going out in a boat, you know, I don't want to carry a little bottle around with me. Then they take the white. But a lot of our people, they literally buy a bottle of promescent for the nightstand and they buy six or eight wipes whenever they're going to be on the road, so to speak, you know, that type of thing. 
So Lacey likes to keep them in her her uh, her club bag as well when we go to swingers clubs. Yep, I got a little baggie. Well, it's funny because oh, I forgot one of our main products. We developed a female arousal gel, and it's not systemic. It's not like you take something that changes your hormonal balance or anything like that. It's a bunch of emollients with a warming gel. It brings a warming sensation, and you rub it right on the clitoria, right on the labia. And it definitely increases arousal. And we've had a tremendous amount of success. We have two versions. We have a warming version, which brings warmth, and a buzzing version. The buzzing version is a little much with someone for with a sensitive clitoris. They'll tell you, no, 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 that was a little bit too much. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes more adventuresome women, you know, will go, oh, I love the buzzing because it gets me really, really going, you know. So we have both options, but about 75% of our sales happens to be the warming gel it just brings a nice warming sensation uh there's a podcast of female two swingers called wild orchids and i was doing their show this was a couple months ago and i think i've been on three or four times and uh the one gal says to me guess what i'm wearing today and they're both sitting at a table and i go you got a blue blazer on with kind of a cream sweater she goes no down below i go well <laughs> and i'm like i don't know where this conversation's going she goes i'm wearing some female Promescent female arousal gel. And I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I find that a little dab will do you in the morning before I come in. She goes, I dab up. And she goes, it's almost like four or five hours of foreplay. She goes, all oh. <laughs> That sounds good. It's really sexual. She goes, at lunchtime or a break in the afternoon, I go and I hit myself up again. She goes, by the time I come home at the end of the day, I feel like I've had eight hours of foreplay. I just feel really horny. I feel really turned on from this, you know, just warming, you know, moist feeling all day. And I start joking. I said, that would never work with guys. She goes, really? Because if a guy starts feeling like that, he's going to go in the bathroom and relieve himself. You know, guys are more like, I don't want to be like warmed up all day. I'll have another one later. But I have this feeling right now. I'm going to pleasure myself, you know. Yeah. You know, it's just it's the, the mindset between men and women. Men get a hard on. They're like, I got to find somewhere to put this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have to get that great feeling right now. Women tend to love the anticipatory nature of it. And, you know, build. You know, and let's have this crescendo later on. At least, you know, a, quite a few more. And it's funny because. It's, there's just such a difference in both refractory period for male and female, the amount of orgasms men can have, especially as you age, compared to females. And it's I always tell a lot of our male clients that when they go, oh, you know, I have my patented moves, I have this. And I go, you almost can never have a patented move as a guy because women are so different. Because right. you'll date someone who's like, don't touch me right on the clitoris, light you know, circling around the vulva is what I need. Oh, it's great. Then the next woman you're with, they'll go get a jackhammer and some sandpaper and <laughs> start hammering for the next thing. You're like, how can this be the same gender? How is this the same species, you know? And it's just weird like that. And it's funny because with most men, it's pretty standard. I've never met a guy ever in my entire life who went, you know, I really don't like being blown. Okay, it's right. Like every single dude I've ever met go. It combines two of my favorite activities: having sex and doing nothing, laying back and enjoying. <laughs> you know, and there's so many women, and I always tell men that I deal with because I'm very interactive with our customer base. You know, I work the chat room once in a while, and I always uh, encourage people to reach out and email me or talk to me. You know, that kind of stuff. But it's really funny because it's just. The, the best tool you can have is communication. You know what I mean? And because so many women will go, oh, I really don't enjoy oral sex. If you're a man, you need to say to a woman, is it because you're worried about the scent or you're worried about the mm-hmm. taste, you're worried about sure. the way your vagina looks? Because in my estimation, in my experience, almost 100% of the time when a woman tenses up or does, says she doesn't really enjoy oral sex, it's not she doesn't enjoy oral sex. She's got so much anxiety worrying, does it yeah. taste good, does it smell good, you know? So as a man, you need to help them get rid of that stigma and say, honey, if it tasted really bad or smelled really bad, I'd be up north again real quick. You know what <laughs> I mean? I wouldn't be down where I'm at. So if that's your issue, relax, okay? 
Yeah, and, and it's it's, yeah. it's interesting you kind of bring all, all these things up, right? And because we had our pre phone call with you and we kind of talked about, you know, all these different products that you have and, and kind of like, well, how does that incorporate to the lifestyle? And you've really said to us, well, you know, I see Swingers is one of the communities out there that are really willing to explore and take their time with sex. And, you know, lifestyle people have kind of made sex, you know, they realize that it's for pleasure and that it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to be in love with somebody. You don't have to be married to somebody that you can truly, you know, engage with sex, sex with, with somebody just for enjoyment. Um, and I think like what you're saying, there's, there, you know, there's all these products out there, you know, people that just, you know, have plain normal sex. They don't use lubes. They don't use all, you know, like, like enjoy it. Like here's all these products. Here's all these things you can try. There's all these toys, all these lubes, all these, you know, different things like experiment, enjoy, feel, feel like, see what works for you, see what doesn't work for you, you know, try different things. And I, I think that's kind of what you're saying is like, Hey, we have this whole smorgasbord of things. Give it a try. Toys and vibrators. And early on, I noticed that we were selling primarily to women. So I started talking to some of our customers and a lot of males have this prehistoric and medieval feeling like, Oh, if I got to use a toy or a vibrator, that means I'm not a good lover. No, it means if you're not open to it, you're not a good lover. Okay. Yeah. Your goal is a yeah. Man. Toys are there should to help. Be. Exactly. <laughs> your goal is should be for your partner to have as many as an orgasms as possible. Okay. Because the more you satisfy your partner, the more she's like, I'm taking care of this dude. He takes good care of me. I don't want to go anywhere. Okay. So you're paying it forward. And maybe it's because of my age or I've just always been pretty open. I don't give a shit how my partner's getting orgasms. I just want to have as many pleasurable orgasms as possible because I know if she does that I'm going to be, you know, reciprocated. So take it, your ego out of the way. Check your ego at the door. Your goal should be as long as I'm in the room somewhere, you know what I mean? Like have as many orgasms as possible, you know? Yeah. And when we first decided we were going to do vibrators, every company in the world, because we've been very successful, we're growing. Oh, we want you to think about private labeling this vibrator, that vibrator. I have 38 vibrators. I have every kind of vibrator known to mankind. And my goal was with my partner to try every single one, you know? And we got about 90% of the way through them. And I was like, you know, certain vibrators are built differently. Some, some, some are built specifically for women with pelvic floor pain. Some of them are built for women who, you know, can't orgasm, you know, through traditional intercourse. There's a big difference in vibrators. There's a lot of really good quality vibrators that have a lot of thought put into them. There's a lot of second rate ones. And, you know, the price point obviously reflects it. But you're right. Swingers tend to literally look at sex for exactly what it is, a pleasurable activity that should be no different than any other pleasurable activity, whether it's going to the gym, going skiing, you know, going boating. But so many people get caught up in all the religious, you know, and, and you know, it's plain vanilla it over with. You don't know how many times I've heard married couples going, oh, we don't need something to last longer. I need something to get it over with. I'm like, so that's horrible, horrible. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I will tell you a story. This is really funny. So I've done a lot of serious radio, serious XM radio shows and a lot of podcasts and stuff. And it's weird. You'll be surprised. You guys did your homework. You said, Hey man, I, you know, and I can tell by your questions. So I did the Jamie Foxx Foxhole, which was a comedy network and all these young African-American kids. They had done research. I came in, they were totally in tune. I did shade 45, which is rude. Jude, the Eminem, you know, rap station. Rude Jude had really done his homework, whatever, whatever. So I had done this uh, Taylor Stricker, which is this Hampton socialite thing in New York City, XM. And it's right before the Jenny McCarthy show in the same studio. Mm -hmm. So Jenny McCarthy's producer happened to overhear the ending of my segment. He goes, hey, you want to come back and do our show? And we were doing, okay, great. Yeah, I'll come back and do your show. So I did the Jenny McCarthy show. It was the dumbest show I've ever been on in my entire life. Why anyone gives that woman a microphone is beyond me. So I swear to God, we're like 30 seconds into it. She's like, women don't want sex to last longer. We want it to get over with. No. I'm like, excuse me? She goes, yeah, it hurts. We don't want it to go on that much longer. I'm like, I think you need to see your gynecologist, okay? Yeah, somebody's I, not doing something right. <laughs> something wrong with 
either your anatomy, your partner's anatomy, or there's something you're doing that's not correct. Because believe me, there is a tremendous need for it to last longer. That's the first time I've ever heard someone tell me, especially someone who has a radio show, who's educating people. It's one of the things that I love people like you that educate people because there are other people out there spewing disinformation, which there could be nothing worse, okay? Yeah. You're listening to that, you're thinking, oh, we need to have more intercourse, and you're listening to someone you supposedly trust and has a radio show telling you, no, it's better to get it over with sooner. It's like, what? Yeah, somebody yeah. Um, reached out to us a few weeks ago and said something about having sex for five minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Was it that? And well, yeah. Dan was like, do normal people only have sex for five minutes? Are we abnormal? Like, what's wrong with well, us? <laughs> and we laugh so hard about it. <laughs> Let's step out of the realm of B and talk about the average healthy male, the average healthy female. Because they have several clinics where they study sexual behavior. And they literally have them on tape. And the people have a stopwatch. And when they ejaculate, they click the stopwatch, you know, that kind of stuff. The average healthy adult male during actual penetration thrusting lasts 5 minutes and 42 seconds before he climaxes. The average female takes 18 minutes of penetration or thrusting to achieve climax. They actually have a report in the medical community. They call it the arousal gap. So literally the majority of people in this country, if they don't use some kind of aid, the man will ejaculate before the woman orgasms. So that leads to extended foreplay. That leads to a lot of guys going, oh, my God, not yet. Let me think about baseball scores. Let me think about my grandmother <laughs> naked. You know, and in some cases, it creates a feeling on the woman's part like the guy's not into me. It's not that he's not into you. He's concentrating so hard on not ejaculating and not feeling the pleasure. That's why he's not really in the moment, you know. So it's really important that people understand that, you know, and – we have other people that tell us, I always have some promescent on hand because, you know, it's too late to get fire insurance if you come home and your house is burning down. You can't call up and go, hey, I want to get fire insurance. And the agent goes, what's that crackling sound I heard about? It's my house burning down. Sorry, too late. Okay. So a lot of people will tell us, I always keep some around because if I'm with a brand new partner or I just feel super aroused, I want that insurance policy. I want that confidence booster that I go. I know I'm not going to rapidly ejaculate, you know, that kind of a thing. So it's a real complex issue, but a lot of people really find benefit in using it. We've had a couple of people that are in our swinger networks that tell us that, hey, you know, they might be a little up in age and they go, if I'm 50 or 60, I see three or four people that I want to, I don't want to ejaculate after the first one, you know what I mean? And, so I really want to make sure that I can make my rounds before it's blast off time, you know, and I go, you know, my, I don't have a lot of swinging, but you know, I go, if I started at an older age, I go, man, that's sort of been perfect. I would have my own supply, you know? All right. Well, I think with that, we'll take a little break and we'll hear from our sponsors. And then I want to come back and I want to talk to you, Jeff, a little bit about the kind of the saga um, behind Promescent and, sure. and kind of, um, the amazing story that the brand has and, and that's kind of got you to where you are today uh, and kind of and go over that some with you, if you don't mind. Yeah. All right. The Swing Nation podcast is proud to announce an official partnership with SDC.com. SDC stands for Seek, Discover, Connect. And with over 3 million members in over 50 countries, it's the world's largest lifestyle community and a great place to link up with open-minded couples, singles, and kinksters from around the globe. Whether you're just starting your lifestyle journey or you're an old pro, SDC has something to offer you. With chat rooms, live cams, groups, and blogs, there's always naughty fun to be found. SDC.com also has expert advice, professional articles, and entertaining content to enhance your erotic lifestyle journey. With information about parties, events, clubs, and businesses, SDC is so much more than just a hookup site for swingers. It's truly an epicenter that can keep you plugged into the pulse of the lifestyle community in your area. We personally love the website's ease of use and amazing customer support. They have supported us in our podcast and giving generous donations to our charity fundraising efforts. 
So if you're looking to connect with like-minded people, click the link in our show notes and sign up for SDC using our affiliate link and receive a full access for 14 days completely free. Make sure you join the Swing Nation SDC group and send us a message. All right, and welcome back. We're back here with uh, Jeff. And then, so we left off with uh, talking a little bit about uh, the saga. And so uh, the promescent story has been kind of everywhere in, in headlines, um, on the news. Um, it's kind of a, a crazy story. Um, one <laughs> maybe fit for Hollywood. Um, yeah, but- it's like a lifetime movie, kind of. We watched the video earlier. It's a really, really crazy story. Um, everything that has happened throughout the years. For sure. Uh, but you had mentioned, so when you said, you know, your your friend, your neighbor, um, the doctor that had kind of started about all this, um, I'm assuming you meant Dr. Ron Gilbert. Is that, is That's that correct? That's correct. Dr. Ronald Gilbert, Hope Hospital, Newport Beach, was the yeah. creator and founder of Promessa. Right. And and so I guess after you started working with him, um, something kind of tragic happened. Do you want to kind of go over that for, for the yeah. audience? really kind of bizarre because, you know, I took over and remade the company a little bit and things started becoming uh, very successful. We were having a great uh, run and we had our first offer. It was substantive to buy the company and everyone was really upbeat and he called me or texted me one morning. It was uh, January 28th in 2013. And he's like, hey, man, I love your brother. You made my dream a reality. And I texted him back and I said, passing your seatbelt. I said, this ride's just getting started. It's only going to get better. And I got a phone call an hour later and I was informed that he had been murdered. And I was like, that's impossible. He's in his office at Hogue Hospital, Newport Beach. I don't know if you know much about Newport Beach or Hogue Hospital. There's not a lot of murders in Newport Beach or specifically in a hospital. And I didn't believe it was true. And turned out to be true. It was a disgruntled patient who had had a prostate surgery 23 years prior and decided he was going to kill the doctor. And he went to the VA because it was a VA surgery and got the name wrong and murdered the wrong guy. And it was tragic and nonsensical. And I, I had a really hard time understanding it. And the only way I was able to deal with it was to eventually say, I'm rational. I'm not insane. Mm-hmm. I can't understand an irrational, insane man's thoughts being sane and rational. So I just had to let it go. And what I promised myself was that I would give him a legacy, something other than a doctor shot by the crazy guy, and provide for his wife and his children. So it became my mission to honor him and give him a legacy in every podcast every serious radio show i do i mention him and his contributions and and we've been able to you know provide very nicely for the family but it was just one of those things that it's almost hard to fathom you you have to let it go because for those of us who loved him if he would have been killed in a plane crash or a car crash it wouldn't be any less tragic but it'd be easier to take because you just go oh it's random his time was up you know how that but the idea that someone walked into his office and killed him, it leaves you with a feeling like not only could he still be here, it leaves you with a feeling he should still be here. He should still be here. And all the success we're having, it's great, and I love it, but you don't know how many times a day, a week, a month, where I go, wow, I wish I could, he could see where this little company's at right now. I wish he had an idea of how well we're doing, you know, but you can't unring that bell. You can't change it. So we just have to move on. And then we were contacted by a huge behemoth, $22 billion a year company. They reached out. They said to us, we want to acquire you. And they signed an NDA, went through this due diligence process. And then they vanished and tried knocking us off and crushing us. Knowing full well, the whole backstory about Ron, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And their strategy was pretty simple. They were just going to delay things, run up the cost so high, figure it would go away. But unfortunately, we're not going away. Yeah, so I read a, a little bit about that story. So it, it seems like when you first came on with Promescent, that the goal was always to just make it a viable product, show that there was demand for it, 
and then sell it to to a bigger you know a market like a Johnson and Johnson or some bigger company. Get a distribution experience. Someone who could take it into Walmart, CBS, you know, Walgreens and go put it on the shelf, put it on the shelf. And, you know, we started off with me, one employee, you know what I mean? And, and so our goal wasn't to become some behemoth company. It was to make it viable, show the value proposition, have someone else take it over. I will tell you that we're in, uh, Walmart, a thousand Walmart stores now. We're in Target nationwide. We're in some GNC locations. You know, we're doing quite well. But I still want to get it in the hands of a multi-billion-dollar company with channel power that can really maximize the product and the benefits, especially now that we're a multi-product company. So that still is the goal. Right, and then so as the story goes, and you you started to allude to um this this UK company I understand, which is a, a giant package good. They go by RB. This company uh-huh. owns Airborne, Airwick, Lysol, Mucinex, KY, Durex, Frank's Red Hot, French's Mustard, Dr. Scholl's, Clearasil. I could go on for days. Mead Johnson, Baby Food. They are an absolute behemoth. Yeah. And, you know, starting May 9th, we get them in court in uh, Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, that's exciting. And it's a jury yeah. trial. So I messaged Dan after we watched the video today, and I was like, when is the trial? Oh, How did it go? Did they we win? <laughs> they did this in 2015, yeah. okay? And, right, so, you know, so they approached you and said, hey, we're, we're interested in this this product. Make uh, no mistake, they, they approached us. They came to us. Right. And then so, you know, I'm not a businessman, but my, my understanding is then there's a due diligence process where they can look at the product, see if it's viable, um, you said you, you guys signed an NDA, uh, yes. and then and then they started to kind of invest the product or you know look into the product and see if it was something that they were, the were interested in. The NDA is specifically in place for this reason. When you sign an NDA, they agree that you have to make certain internal documents available to them because how else could they properly evaluate if they want to acquire it? But they agree by signing the NDA that they would never use. Any of your trade secrets, any of your intellectual property, and that they're doing it in good faith for the purpose of acquisition. And that upon resolution of one way or the other, either acquiring you or deciding not to do it, they have to destroy all the materials that were provided to them. And also not use anything they learned to further their own interests or diminish you. And... You know, it's our contention in the complaint. It's both fraud and, you know, uh, trade secret violation that they did this in bad faith, knowing they were developing a competitive product at the exact same time while denying that they were doing it and then using everything they learned from us. Yeah. So my understanding is that that due diligence process got dragged out to over a year with, with yeah, between you yeah. and that? It's supposed to be initially. They had assured me they would get the deal done in 30 days. And they kept dragging it out. And it was like, oh, the offer's on the CEO's desk. He's on vacation. And every excuse you can imagine. Oh, we have to do this. We have to do that. And it just kept dragging it out, dragging it out. And again, we entered into it under the premise of we'll get this done in 30 days. And, yeah. and then yeah. how did you – so? My understanding is they then directly launched a competitor to Promescent. Um, and, and what's the story? How did you f- you figure out that that's what they did and how that happened? It was pretty obvious because on our initial meeting, Volker Sadal, who was their, uh, uh, I believe his title was Director of Sexual Wellness, you know, KY and directs and everything. We sat down, we met in New York. He flew from London. I flew from Las Vegas, Summerlin, where I live. And he goes, I love what I've heard so far. I love the conference call we had. This is dynamic, the information you provided to me. But I got to tell you, you have a tough road to hoe. This company doesn't believe these products work, and they also don't believe there's a market for them. I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And I said, they had had a product in this space, and dropped it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I said, well, no disrespect, but your product was absolute shit. Okay. So how <laughs> would you know 
if there's a market when you sold, you know, X amount of trial bottles to, you know, certain amount of people, no one ever rebought it. The reason you don't think there's a market is because you had a crap product. And I had brought him some samples and stuff. And I said, I want you to go back and use these samples and you'll see that there is a product that works. And uh, I believe through us, you'll be able to see that there's a viable market here. He went back and distributed the samples among all the senior executives and sent me an email. We have an email. Oh my God, this stuff is fantastic. Everyone, the whole team has used it and loves it, you know, and this is a great opportunity and we need this information from you, this information, this information. We're going to get this done ASAP. I can't wait, you know, and, uh, you go from that and when they launched their own product, literally like a little less than a year after ours ended, it takes probably three years to come to market with a product from inception. Within a year after launching us, they were launching another product. After saying they didn't believe there was a market, they didn't believe that these products worked. And their own press release said it's the biggest launch in the history of KY. They spent over $50 million launching it. Now, this is a segment that they said they didn't believe was valid and that products didn't work. The only thing that changed in between them saying this product, these products don't work and this market segment is not big was their due diligence of promessing. So that's not, you don't have to be Inspector Clouseau to figure that one out. You know what I mean? They looked at everything there, and I think I believe this is my personal opinion that they went to a small company at the time. We were four people, you know, we're twenty-two billion a year, thirty-seven thousand employees. We're just going to roll over these guys. We're just going to basically use them as kill. We're going to steal everything they have and dare them to come after us. So, you know, I'm very confident. But remember, anytime you go to trial, you have a jury. It's made up of human beings. So, you know. Anything can happen, but I'm very confident when the facts all get laid out and the testimony all gets presented that we will be victorious. I'm very confident. It's just a matter of now getting to court. And people ask me, you know, what are your fears? I go, my biggest fear was not getting to court. This thing just kept dragging on and dragging on. They kept filing motions. And, you know, it was obvious from day one, we wanted to get to trial tomorrow. They wanted to get to trial never, you know? Right. And they filed these counterclaims. Uh, I believe it was a couple months after we filed our initial thing. And my attorney had called me and said, Hey, they filed counterclaims. And I started laughing. And he's like, you think counterclaims are funny? I go, well, you're joking, right? He's like, no. I go, we didn't do anything. What do you mean they filed counterclaims? I go, he goes, no, I swear to God. And so he starts reading them to me. And I go, how long is this? He goes, well, it's a legal document. It's like multiple pages. I said, just email it to me. Let me read it. And then call me in 20 minutes. So sure enough, he calls me in 20 minutes. He goes, do you read it? I go, yeah. He goes, what do you think? I go, it's pure fiction. It's absolutely ludicrous. They cannot go into court with that. They would get laughed out of court. He goes, well, then I believe the only reason they would file those, he goes, would be specifically to delay things and run up the cost. Right. And I go, they can do that? He goes, yeah. And then they'll drop them right before trial. He goes, we're going to file a motion asking for sanctions, meaning that if they drop them, because if we put it on notice right after they file, we don't believe this is good faith, then the judge can say you're right and sanction them. So for three years, we had to deal with those counterclaims. We spent over $2 million fighting those counterclaims. They had expert testimony, expert de depositions, expert reports, all this stuff. Guess what? They dropped them lock, stock, and barrel. They dropped everything. Literally 30 days before our trial date, which was supposed to be in January, but it got delayed because of the Omicron. And I was furious. And to show you how dysfunctional the legal system is, so the judge was pissed at them but said, I'm not going to rule on them until after trial because I don't want it to be prejudicial and come before the jury. Now, something prejudicial means they don't want something unrelated to the litigation to affect the jury. Unrelated to litigation? They filed those during the litigation, okay? But... They literally got what they wanted because they ran up the cost, which could have probably, you know, it likely have driven us away or made right. us take some ridiculous settlement and to just keep delaying it. Those things delayed it. The legal system of this country has to be changed. The majority of people, until you get involved, you see something like this, they don't realize how dysfunctional the legal system is. It's insane. 
Uh, so w- with that, this is my understanding is this is the <laughs> first time you've had to uh, to stand up and take take on a, a giant. Is that, Jane is that Wells, accurate? Yeah, Jane Wells, a very good friend of mine. She's a reporter for CNBC. She gave me a little insight. Stories on this. So in 1990, don't ask me how, I always run into these corrupt international behemoths. But in 1996, I owned, this is what I retired from, I owned the largest semiconductor engineering business in the whole industry. Very successful. And I got this contract to this recruiting for Hyundai up in Eugene, Oregon. And this is the craziest thing. And I started and we were having a lot of success. And I get a call from the HR manager. He's like, oh, you're doing a great job. Love everything you're doing, but we need to streamline things. Like, okay, what do you need? No women, no blacks. We don't like those. I'm like, excuse me? You can do it anywhere you want to. If you come to this country, you're following the laws. And I'm not going to become part of that, okay? So I refused. I just kept sending the best person for the job. And I sent a female candidate for a particular job. Oh, he told you no more. I'm like, listen, guys, I'm not going to screen out by virtue of race. You must. You're a client. I'm like, oh, I can't deal with this. So I said, I'm going to reach out right to the president of Hyundai North America so let him know he'll straighten this out. So I reach out to him and I told him what was happening. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I'll take care of it. Don't tell anyone. I said, okay, great. So I go into the office the next day, my office in Huntington Beach. I tell my employees, I got it all handled. Don't worry. It's taken care of. An hour later, we get a phone call. You're fired. I'm like, wait, that wasn't my idea of taking care of it. I thought you were yeah. going to make sure. They tried to take care of it. Yeah. So as you might imagine, I was furious. So I had sent him the invoices for what I was owed up until that point because I was on net 30 and we were just getting to that two-month part. So I sent him the invoices and like a week later, because back then they didn't have electronic banking. There was The internet was really in its infant stages back in 96. It wasn't even a, something people use all the time even for you know business and everything. And... Uh, so I remember I was going to lunch. I got this FedEx package. I go, good, I got my check. And I open up this FedEx envelope, and it literally says, sign this contract before we can execute your invoices. It said, we and Hyundai are equal opportunity employers. We follow the laws of the EEOC. I'm like, I'm not signing that. So I called the HR manager. I said, I'm not signing that. He goes, we're not paying you. I go, you can't withhold money I've rightfully earned unless I sign a fake document. Well, you sign that or you're not getting paid. As you might imagine, I was furious. I mean, furious. One thing led to another, and I called an attorney. He goes, listen, as soon as I'll file something, we'll pay it immediately. No one, you know, is that nuts. Well, they were that nuts. We filed it. They took the opposite attack. We'll destroy you. They start bad-mouthing me. And I'm like, whoa, what? And it took us four years to get them into court. It was brutal. And I got them into court and I whipped their ass. I mean, I was on the News. They did a little thing on 60 Minutes. I was in Forbes Magazine, you know. And, and every, oh my God, this guy took on this freaking $100 billion company, you know, and brought them to their knees. And I go, it was the right thing to do. It's just wrong. I have a wonderful family and I had a wonderful mom and dad, but we were really poor when I grew up. We didn't have much. And this country gave me an opportunity to better myself. No one ever said to me, don't hire him. He's white and male. No one ever said to me, don't do business with him. He's a white male. So there was no way that I was going to be part of a scheme to keep people down. I wasn't asking them specifically, you have to hire a certain amount of women. You have to hire a certain amount of African-American. All I was saying is don't judge applicants on the gender or their race. Look at the resume. Hire them. It's good business, okay? If you it's know, the right thing to do. Yes, yeah, it's the right thing to do. And and I remember afterwards, people go, oh, my God, you're a hero. I said, no, I'm not a hero. I did the right thing. Okay. More people need to look at it as, you know, and people said, you literally walked away from $1.6 million. I said, yeah, I did, because I wouldn't have felt right if I would have thrown a bunch of people I didn't know under the bus. And I'm proud of what I did. And I'm proud of the fact that I stood up for people that aren't even representative of who I am. Because they didn't know they were being discriminated against. And right now, the fight that I fight, I retired once already, okay? I have lupus, I have diabetes, and I'm about to turn 65 years old. I retired at 53 for a reason. I don't need this, okay? I should be enjoying the rest of my life. 
I'm fighting right now. The first time I fought for women and African Americans, I'm fighting right now for my shareholders, my employees, and Ron's family. Okay, they don't need to be leveraged like this. More importantly, it's turned out as you read that this company's done this before, and they've had people sign. As soon as they do a payout, they sign a non-disclosure. You know, they keep it quiet. I'm also doing this for the future people. They're going to do it too. If I shut up and I don't fight this, and I turn, do one of two things: either go, it's not worth it, and let it go, or accept a settlement and sign a confidentiality agreement. It's going to encourage them to keep doing it. Okay, somebody has to be the one that eventually punches the bully in the face and goes, "Fuck you! You're not getting away with this." Okay, you're not. You know, it just it. It angers me to the point that I can't even really put it into words. It just, it's so obnoxious and it's so predatory that it's disgusting. It's gross. And the fact is that they think they can get away with it is even more blatant because it just shows you they've done it. There, there was no fear. It was like, and people say to me, like, how did they do this? I go, well, after my experience, having been through it twice now, we'll come back and now this. I literally, I say to people, they go, how can they do it? What were they thinking? Are you know what they were thinking? It was Tuesday. It was Wednesday. This is their mindset now. They go, why buy what we can steal? They know exactly what they were doing. The Hyundai thing, I like to make a distinction. Even though what Hyundai did was wrong, it was an error of omission. It's so endemic in South Korea. They're 27% of the gross national product, the entire country. One in four people in the country of South Korea works for Hyundai. They get away with anything they want. They own the judicial system, the police. I mean, no one messes them. So, and the people there, it was just, that's the way they operate. That they were born that way, they'll die that way. It's different. These guys know better, okay? They are arrogant, they are obnoxious, and they do it because they think they can get away with it. They do it. Because it's power, it's leverage, it's money. And they feel since they're bigger and more powerful than you, that they can get away with it. My goal is to teach them, I don't give a shit how much money you have. I don't care how powerful you are. I'm going to fight your ass. I'm going to drag your ass into court. I'm going to air this out. And I'm very confident that a jury of my peers sitting 10 feet, 20 feet away are going to listen to this. And they're going to look at you and go, what the hell were you doing? And how dare you come into this courtroom and try to pull that bullshit on us? Yeah. And we, you know, we wish you the best of luck. Yeah, I'm all about this <laughs> case. Definitely like, I need to know <laughs> what's going on. Yeah. And that case yeah, is this month, right? Yeah. Oh, it starts May 9th. Yeah. And you're headed, you're, you said you're packed and you're headed that way here shortly. I'm headed there Tuesday because, you know, I turned 65 soon. I battled some you know, pretty horrific, you know, health issues. I want to get there and I already found the Whole Foods. I already found True Foods. I already found restaurants. I found a gym. I found a yoga place. I don't want to go there and be jet lagged, eating food. I'm not, you know, going there, uh, you know, not feeling well, bloated. You know what I mean? And so I want to get there, get back on my exercise routine, eat the way I eat, you know, and so that by the time I take the stand next Wednesday or Thursday, I'm back into my routine. I feel comfortable. You get to be this age. You don't realize that you're far younger, but you get to be a creature of habit. You know what I mean? Like you love your routine. I love eating foods that I know agree with me. I love staying healthy. I love daily exercise. It's part of how I handle dealing with what I deal with. And I don't want to feel like I'm in a strange place. I want to have a level of comfort built up by the time we go to trial. Yeah. So I think on that, that note of, you know, our really the, what, why me and Lacey started this podcast and really have been speaking out on TikTok and other social media platforms is, you know, the swinger community, the non-monogamous community, I, I think is still one of the communities that's, you know, faced a, a fair amount of, you know, discrimination, uh, you no know, people that, that lose their jobs that, you know, have had issues with child custody cases. Um, you know, there's just this stigma. I don't think really people understand non-monogamous people. I don't think people understand swingers. I think, you know, because there is some, you know, sexual activity involved, there's this, just a stigma about that. Um, you know, what, you, you have any opinions on that? Uh, and, you know, I think there's, your company being a sex-based company has faced probably some, some of that stigma and discrimination. We face it all the time. see ads that we can't run on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, these are ads for a sexual wellness product that has a board of advisors 
We have the president of the Sexual Medicine Society of North America, the president of the International Society of Sexual Medicine on our board. And you're telling me we're running, you know, an ad about educating people and you're considering it pornographic. What plan? You know, I will tell you about my experience with the swinger community is they are much less uptight. They're much more open. They literally have so much healthier attitudes. And this idea that, oh, you know, you could possibly lose custody. You should give custody of a child to someone who's a swinger because at least they'll grow up without being taught that sex is bad, it's naughty, save it for marriage. You know, all this other nonsense that leads to bad relationships and failed marriages and people with all kind of sexual hangups. My experience now has taught me that, you know who's in the swinger network? The guy that lives next to you, your banker, yeah. your lawyer. But in, to a large degree... They're keeping it quiet because there is that stigma and they're afraid of retaliation or they're afraid of being judged because there's so many freaking, you know, puritanical idiots running around that they have to keep it a little bit, you know, low key. But the people that I've dealt with in the swinger community are wonderful. They're honest. They're open. And, you know, even our business relationships with some of the swinger communities, they're very upfront and they're very high integrity people and they do the right thing. And I think part of it is they've said to themselves, I'm not lying anymore. You know, I'm really comfortable and upfront and I want to be on the level in all parts of my life, not just sexually, but all parts. And I think people in bad marriages tend to lie because it's part of being in a bad marriage. Oh, are you happily married? Oh yeah. It just seemed like it was yesterday. Oh, every day is for, oh, please. You know what I mean? And so. I know what you mean, yeah. When you start lying, I don't think you ever draw the line. You know what I mean? And it's like one of those things that it comes real natural when you do it 24-7. Yeah, everything that you're saying right now is stuff that we have been preaching and talking about for months now. Kind of why we went on social media to kind of expose ourselves and talk about our lifestyle. No, it's one thing I don't filter. I don't ever have an agenda. I just tell the truth from my perspective. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's right, but it's what I and I've been around 65 years. I've seen a lot. Yeah. And I'm not unwise. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I generally have an opinion, it's pretty close to the truth because I've seen so much. You know what I mean? And if you're observant and you're aware, the longer you're on the planet, the more knowledge you have. Yeah. I appreciate mm-hmm. that, Jeff. That means that means a lot. And I think that's, you know, especially from somebody that's, you know, not in the lifestyle that you, you know, that but have worked with people and in, in influencers in the lifestyle, you know, to, to, to have that come from you that that means a lot yeah. um, one of the things i love about the lifestyle too is even the company the different podcasts and the different networks they're all in it together they're not like oh my god there are rivals they realize by promoting the lifestyle everybody wins they realize by destigmatizing the lifestyle everybody wins like there's a lot of companies in our industry and a lot of you know uh societies in our industry like even some cases, the sexual medicine societies, there's three or four different ones. They like try to steal doctors from one another. And, you know, they're in, if they say this, we have to say that. I really like the way the Swinger Network, I see people going on each other's podcasts and let's just build a bigger pie and everyone will get a nice slice. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's a refreshing attitude that more people need to have. Yeah, I think at least as of now, it's it's a huge community with very few faces and voices that yes. are advocating for it. Um, and I know from mine and Lacey's perspective, you know, anybody that's willing to out themselves and, 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 you know, shed a lot, a light on the lifestyle, especially when it's a positive light. Um, you know, we a hundred percent support them and, and we'll build them up and, and raise them up as, as much as we possibly can. Um, yeah. cause I, I think that's the right thing to do. That is absolutely it's the right thing to do. And if everyone's on point, everyone's on message, it's going to break down barriers. It's going to take down walls. It's going to allow more regular people to go, I think I never realized that I want to participate in the Swinger Network. I think now that I realize it's not, you know, some seedy back room, bunch of drug <laughs> addicts, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we know what you mean. That there are normal, healthy, regular, intelligent people. I think it'll open up because let's face it. I've never been married. So I don't know what it's like to be in a 20 year relationship. I think I'd put my head in the oven and turn the gas on if I was, you know what I mean? Like I'd be so bored, but I think there's a lot of people 
that if those stigmas come down, would go, let's, honey, let's go. It'll save our marriage. It's not going to endanger our marriage. It will save our marriage because we'll appreciate the time we have together more, not less, by having a little variety in your life. I always tell this to people. Think about this. If someone says to me right now, what is your favorite meal? I'd probably go swordfish or sea bass. I'm a seafood lover, okay? If someone's fed me swordfish for dinner for 20 straight years, and someone goes, what do you want for dinner? I'm going, anything but fucking swordfish. Like, <laughs> absolutely anything. Give me a piece of rotten fucking veal, okay? Just not fucking swordfish, okay? I don't I mean, so, I, I mean, when they say familiarity breeds contempt, they say it for a reason. It does. Yeah. I agree, anyway, Jeff. I think you're you're wait. you're all over it. I think we need you on the podcast more because you 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 uh you shed a light on it that I think even me and Lacey have missed. So we appreciate we appreciate your voice. Um, it's the truth. It's absolutely the truth. And I've had people I talk to that are on Swinger Network and stuff tell me we were on the verge of breaking up. We start swinging. Our marriage is better than it ever was ever before because we really appreciate the time we have together. And when we come back from a weekend, we're hot for one another. Yeah. And I can't believe how many people tell me what a turn on it is seeing their partner with other people. 100%. It is. It's hot. We can, we can, uh, <laughs> we can attest. Yep. If we know anything. We can know, we know that. Yeah. Because the natural inclination is jealousy. You know what I mean? Oh my God, right. how dare you? But it's all about ego. Just like I said, when, you know, man, oh my God, a woman used a vibrator must mean I'm not a great lover, you know? No, it means that she is capable of multiple orgasms in many different scenarios and allow her to achieve as many as possible. And, you know, in a swinger network, it should be exciting to see your woman having pleasure, knowing that eventually you're taking her home and you two will have pleasure together as well. And same thing with her seeing you. It's always nice to think your partner is desirable not just to you but to other people 100 percent. so i think uh in the in the interest of time i think we could talk to you all all, all day uh, your story <laughs> is is fascinating your your knowledge and, and insight on, on all of this is is fascinating um but is there anything before we end this that you'd you'd like to say to uh the swing nation or or the uh the swingers of, of the world yeah. out there that listen to this podcast one thing i'll say is communicate but I think I don't have to say it to swingers because they already communicated to the point where they're on the swinger network. I always say to people, if you want to evaluate what we have, you know, we're available in all these retail locations, all these, you know, websites. But I always tell people, start at our website, go to promescent.com. It's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T for this reason. Even if you don't buy products, you'll see blogs. You will see testimonials. You'll see videos. You'll see... And I, I received a lot of credit for that early on. People go, is that a university education site or a sexual wellness product site? I go, well, it's both. And they go, you don't want to go there. You want to, everything has to be buy, buy, buy and funnel people into buy. Why do you take them to all these pages? But I go, because we believe the more educated you are, the higher probability you're going to find our products can enhance what you have. More importantly, you can buy it anywhere, but by going to our website, I want you to make sure you're buying the proper product for the right reason. Then I want to make sure you're using it correctly. We have testimonials from doctors telling the proper way to use it. Then go buy it wherever, but at least go to the site so you know you're buying the right product for the right reason. And that's the most important thing. End of the day, I don't want people buying our product and not, even though it's a sale and not using it correctly and not liking it. I want the majority of people to buy our product to be thrilled with it so thrilled they're telling their friends, hey, this stuff really works. This company's legit. And then have them go, well, delay spray works great. How about the lubes? Oh, the lubes work great. How about this? How? I really want people to feel a comfort level with us. I really want people. And all of our products come with a six-month, or excuse me, a 60-day money-back guarantee for no questions asked. And that's not one of these ones where, you know, we charge you $9.95 for shipping. And then if you don't like the product, we charge you $9.95 to send it back. One of the reasons we're successful is we have free shipping, okay? When you buy something from our site, you pay zero to have it shipped to you. 
And if you decide you don't like it and you want money, you get your money back and you don't have to send anything back. So it truly is no risk to you. You're out of pocket zero. So people go, wow, that's expensive. I go, no, because very few people are unsatisfied. But B, that gives people the confidence to pull the trigger and go, let me try this. There's no risk involved on my part. Right. And people yeah. go, you must be pretty confident, you know, to do that. And I go, we're very confident because our history shows us the majority of people that buy our products like our products and continue to use them. But now we have multiple products. So we, we can grow two ways. Number one, finding more people to use a specific product. And number two, existing customers start using more products. But it's all about education. It's all about getting someone to go, that can enhance this part of my lovemaking. That could help me make this part of my lovemaking better. So it's extremely important for us to continue to reach out and find more people. That's why people like you are ideal for us. Because I can tell by the questions you ask and the way you go about it, you're educating your audience and you care about your audience. And so I guarantee you, your customer engagement is high. And the people that, you know, log on, don't listen for two minutes, they listen to the podcast and they go, these people are legitimate. And that's the kind of people we love exposure with. Well, we appreciate that. And we'll definitely, we'll have all the links to uh, your products in our show notes. If, if people want to find you, um, you know, have a safe trip. Uh, good luck on your case. And me and Lacey, I know we'll be, uh, I'll we'll be keep you posted during the trial. Yeah. Let's do this again later in the uh, fall. When I yeah, let's do yeah, it. Yeah. You'll have to come back and update us on how everything. I will do that. And I can't thank you enough for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course. Appreciate it. Okay. So I think with that folks in a world full of apples, be the pineapple, be the pineapple guys. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed our podcast and want to support us, leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. If you want to see more of our content, you can find links to Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, OnlyFans, and more in the show notes. Come join the conversation with us and other Swinger content creators on our Swinger Society Discord server. If you have questions or feedback, email them to us at theswingnation at gmail.com. Make sure you head on over to theswingnation.net and keep up to date on all things Swing Nation. We thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.